Welcome to episode 17 of the Untangled Faith podcast. In this episode, I share part one of our story of my husband's time working at Ramsey Solutions. You'll hear about the interview process and the very early days with the organization. I'll also share a bit about what was happening in our lives at the time and why we disregarded the red flags. Truthfully, um, we had folks working here that heard things and believed that we were covering for Chris and quit. So, which is kind of okay. That's probably a good thing. I love you, but if you don't believe I've got integrity and do what I say I'm going to do, you should quit. And if you don't have the backbone to come ask what the flip's going on, you should quit if you're just going to believe lies on their face. I'm okay with that. But that's how this works. It's messy, y'all. This is grown-up talk, isn't it? Welcome to your first day. Yeah. <laughs> The people that Dave Ramsey was referring to as believing lies and having no backbone? One of them is my husband, Nathan. Today, I'll begin sharing how we found ourselves the target of Dave's ire. Let's rewind the clock to 2011. This is our Ramsey story. This is Amy Fritz, and you're listening to Untangled Faith a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all the things that are not good and true, this is the place for you. Extra, extra, one of the largest auto groups in the Midwest just got bigger. The Bob LaCurcio Auto Group is proud to announce the grand opening of Peoria Toyota, Lexus of Peoria, and Ford of Peoria. Shop the big corner and the big lot to get big savings, like financing as low as 0% on select models. We offer you more for your vehicle, and we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. You're going to like buying a car this way. Before jumping to 2011, I want to explain that some of the audio in these episodes is from a conversation I had with Bob Smutana when I went on the record in January of this year, 2021. The recording of Dave Ramsey that you hear in the intro is from the audio clip Bob included in that article. And as a point of clarification, if you hear me refer to Lampo or the Lampo Group, that's the legal name of the Dave Ramsey organization. Okay. Now I'm ready to go to September, 2011. Nathan and I were living neck deep in toddler, preschool, and young elementary kid life with a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and a six-year-old. My daily soundtrack was the local Christian radio station and children's television shows. Mendisa was singing stronger on the Christian radio station. And I'm pretty sure Kim Kardashian had just recently married and divorced her first husband, Chris Humphreys. Goldfish cracker crumbs littered the kitchen floor, and my biggest win on any given day was to convince Audrey and Ethan to have a quiet time in their rooms while Isaac took his nap. Nathan could gauge how well I succeeded in this by how desperately I wanted to get out of the house as soon as he walked in the door. Our family lived in a tiny rural town in Minnesota. I felt stuck, sad, and lonely during the endless winter season. During this time, my husband, Nathan, went through some discouraging and confidence-rattling experiences at his work. One afternoon while scrolling through Twitter, I stumbled across a tweet from John Acuff that changed our lives. 
Our Ramsey journey started with me finding a job for Nathan. Here I tell Bob Smitana all about it. We weren't super fans. We weren't really even, we didn't have him on the radio. And right. I, so my experience with him was Christian version, Dave, which is the version yeah. he'd be on focus on the family maybe. And I knew of his FPU classes, but who I really followed was John Acuff. He was very prolific on Twitter at the time. And I didn't realize like when it happened, but he had been hired by Dave and I didn't know he had been hired by Dave. Okay. He shared about Dave's new book, Entree Leadership that came out. So mm-hmm. this was 2011. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have a lot of money. So I asked the college librarian to order the book. (laughs) If there's a single audio clip that could describe our financial state at the time, that one you just heard would be a top contender. Yes, I did ask the college librarian to order that book. Dave's book, Entree Leadership, 20 Years of Practical Business Wisdom from the Trenches. And I read it, the preface of it or the introduction. I don't know if you have a copy of this book. Dave, it, this the story he tells touched me so much. He, he talks about going to a, a team company-wide event, standing there with his teenage son, Daniel, and saying, what do you see? And Daniel says, too many kids, because <laughs> it was all the employees, their spouses, and their family. Yeah. But this is how I remember it going. Dave says, look at all these people. I'm responsible for their paychecks. And if I mess up, they will directly be impacted by that. And if you mess up, you screw up big enough, this will, that will impact them as well. Yeah. And it touched me. I believed it. I thought, what? Wow. Here is a Christian businessman who works at a for-profit that's actually about Jesus, which is so unusual. I didn't think of that being a problem at the time. I thought this is amazing. And he super cares about his team members. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing to be a part of that? Reading that account brought tears to my eyes. The thought of being a part of a place where the CEO cared like that was not our current experience. It sounded like a dream. And my husband was in a, working at a small little college. He had recently had some like really hard things. And so I looked online to see if Dave Ramsey was hiring and they had this amazing job description and the way they worded it, it sounds like Disneyland. So it was this web development job. Nathan had never done web development for full time, but he yeah. loved to do it. Like if you get paid to do it, he would love to do that. So I just read him the job description, didn't tell him where it was. And he's like, that's amazing. I, I can do all of those things. And I'm like, it's in Nashville. And he thought about it and decided, you know, it was one of the few places that would give you a shot if you didn't have it on your, on your resume as a job you'd already done. Cause you have a chance to submit a code sample. That, that was the beginning of the hiring marathon that Nathan went through as a part of the interview process. Interspersed in this episode, I'm sharing parts of a conversation I had with my husband, Nathan, as we discussed the interview process and our mindset during this time. Okay. So talk to me about your, what you remember about the interview process. Well, I remember before the interview process, I remember being very excited because it was a place that would let me you know, it was a place that was letting me switch careers, essentially, because I didn't feel like I had any credentials to back up my thinking that I could do this. And so it was a place that it felt like was willing to take a risk on me. I'm not sure in retrospect how much of a risk it was, given that I had done like sample apps and stuff like that. Like there's a lot along the way that kind of proved that I knew what I was doing. For me, having never done it before, it really felt like like an organization was willing to take me on as a first-time developer, even though like I had been doing it 
as a hobby for a long time. So like in retrospect, it feels a little bit like maybe I had a much lower view of what I could do than I do now. You know, looking back, I'm like, oh, actually, that's pretty good. And what I did already, I certainly got a heck of a lot better over the years of rubbing shoulders and working with the people that I work. So he did it. That long interview process started at that point. 2011, like you had that first initial thing he sent in and then they do the first interview to like get to know you just a little bit. And then they set up another interview and they talked to him about this coding thing he was going to have to do. So he had to learn a new language and then they got back to him and they liked what they saw. They said they wanted to talk to me. They set up a, a Skype with me and they stood me up. I sat and waited and didn't have so I had to reschedule. We were just so excited that, mm-hmm. and we were just hoping to be chosen because I'd read oh, the gosh. book by that time. I'd read the book, you know, that they get so many applications and they don't choose that many people. I don't remember the actual statistic offhand, but I do remember reading that the Lample group would receive a large number of applications and that out of that large pile, they'd only interview a very small percentage of that. And then of course, an even smaller percentage than that would move on all the way through the hiring process. I just knew if they if they even listened to Nathan, they would hire him. I had so much confidence in my husband. So I finally had my thing and they're like, hey, what do you know about Dave? And I'm like, I read the book. They're like, well, we have this gossip policy. So what would you do if your husband came home and he was really frustrated with work? This may be the second, third, or fourth time I've said this, but I had read the book and the book was Entree Leadership. And it gave the whole playbook for how they would hire people. And so I knew what the answer was. I knew the right answer. I knew what Dave said in that book about the spousal interview. I knew the purpose was to weed out crazy spouses. And I knew what their policy was regarding gossip. I knew what to say. And I believed it. At the time, I had no problem with saying, if my husband has a problem, I would tell him to talk to his leader. You know, there was no question in my mind that that was the right thing to do. And I also knew it was the right answer. And I was determined to show them that I was not a crazy spouse. I was excited about this opportunity and super supportive of my husband and their mission. Over the course of the next two months, Nathan had a whole string of interviews. I prayed my heart out in my journals and on my knees. The kids and I prayed together for each interview, and we jumped up and down and celebrated with each new round we made it through. I was so ready to go on an adventure with Nathan. On October 31st, I loaded the kids into the van. A princess, a lion, and Han Solo. We headed to the harvest party at our church, and my phone rang just as we arrived. It was Nathan telling me that he had received a call from Lampo detailing what they would expect to pay him should they offer him that job. I squealed with excitement. The numbers seemed like they would probably work. I could not believe this was really happening. I carried my two-year-old ferocious lion into the church and felt hope for the first time in a long time. I didn't know how we would handle selling our house, but I wrote this in my journal. The Lord is speaking to my heart. He will be our God. He will be our deliverer. I was willing to trust that God would work out the details. And they're like, okay, we need you to do a budget. Show us that you can live off of this. Didn't question it. Didn't question it once. I want to add a little editor's note here. 
and say, I don't actually know if they still do this. I don't know if they still ask people to submit a budget, but they certainly did ask us. And we included every expense that we had. It did not even occur to me at the time what a gross violation of our privacy that was. Our boundaries are being tested little by little, and it did not even occur to me. I happily handed over a list of all of our monthly expenses and our plan to make it work with the income that they were offering us. I think the budget felt weird. And then I think I had asked about it and the reasoning of, well, we just want to make sure that, you know, you're able to, that we're confident that you're going to be able to live on what we offer. Like, I think that satisfied me at the time. Yeah. But I think it was enough that I asked the question. I think it's partly because I knew that it was a company that was about financial health and stuff. So I wasn't sure what they were going to be looking for in that. I think it's also partly because like I, I, wasn't really all that familiar with who Dave was or like what the company was all about uh, until like midway into the interview process. And we did it based off of the cost of living calculator they sent us, which was based on the average cost of living for all of Tennessee. That went well. They set up another interview. It was like one that we weren't expecting. So he was excited about this interview. He gets on and he finds out it was because they had forgotten who it was that he was. We just interviewed so many people. We'd forgotten who you were. Did they say that? Yes. Yes, I did. Like, oh, we were just trying to remember and refresh like who you are and what you know. I was curious to hear Nathan's memory of that extra interview. So do you remember when you were asked to do an additional interview that you didn't know you were going to do? There was sort of like an offhand comment that they that there were enough people in the pipeline that they couldn't exactly remember which one I was. And so it was sort of a picking back up and sort of re-interviewing with some people who I'd already interviewed with. You're making it seem like it's so funny thing. It wasn't. Yeah, so I was nervous because I was getting another interview, but it wasn't necessarily like one that was clearly defined as to like being the next step or something. Right. And so it was a little bit disappointing to get into it. I'm like thinking, well, maybe this is the next step. Maybe we're getting closer. And then to find out that it was because they couldn't remember details about me versus some other people that were in the pipeline at the same time. Okay. We both felt really crummy after that encounter, but we were in so deep now, so many interviews in, and we were so hoping to be chosen that it didn't feel like we had any right to be upset with the process. So they said, we would love you to come to Nashville to interview. They gave us a date and I called my dad and, you know, which is hard because we're interviewing for a job to move far away from my dad. My dad lived yeah. in St. Paul, but he was like, I'll watch the kids for you. I set it up and then they, they message us and say, "Never mind, we're actually moving that date because that's our service day where everybody leaves the office and we do some service projects. So they moved it. So I had to call my dad. So he was like, it's fine. We'll do this this day. And then the other thing was they're like, we will pay for one night at a hotel for you. We'll pay for your flight and we'll pay for one day of a rental car. Now this was in 2011. They might've changed their policy, but it was an all day interview. There's no time for you to figure out where you might live. So my dad was like, I will pay for you to stay another day. So they paid for us to stay at the embassy suites for one day. (laughs) So we went to like the days in over by Cracker Barrel. Yeah. That's kind of a scary place. Is it knocked down now? Is it even there anymore? You know, it's, it's there. It was fine, but it was not the embassy suites. Although it had (laughs) free internet, embassy suites did not have free internet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now for a quick break. 
Not long ago, I made a decision that changed my life and my relationships. I started going to counseling, and I'm so glad I did. If you've been considering getting started with counseling, Faithful Counseling makes it so easy to get started. I know you don't like talking on the phone, so it's good news that you can start the process without even picking up the phone to talk to someone. The Untangled Faith Podcast is brought to you by my listeners who support me on Patreon. It is also brought to you by Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a Christian counseling service with more than 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states with access by video or phone sessions or chat or text. There are therapists with expertise in trauma, depression, family conflicts, and more. You can ask for a new counselor at any time, and financial aid is available for those who qualify. Untangled Faith podcast listeners get 10% off their first month from our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Go to faithfulcounseling.com untangled. Fill out a questionnaire, and you'll be matched with a counselor. That's faithfulcounseling.com untangled. Now back to the show. Again, this was 2011. I don't know if their process has changed but I hope you can see and hear from me what was happening and how we were feeling. Their own communication issues made us have to make big changes to our schedule to accommodate them. They forgot who Nathan was. They gave us a very tight timeline for making plans. They offered to cover the cost of a hotel for less time than we would need to interview and check out the housing situation in the area. We were completely in the mindset of not wanting to ask for anything or to say what we might need or what worked best for us. We wanted them to choose us. From this vantage point today, I can clearly see that the message we received was that they didn't really need Nathan. We had no power in this situation and they had all the power. So Nathan interviewed all day and I had connected with one of the wives. I think I had looked up something online. I Googled and found like an email of somebody and she, she volunteered to show me around town while my husband was interviewing. And then though she got me back to the office by noon because I had to have lunch with, you know, at another interview with Nathan and I were supposed to go to lunch with the leaders. So we went to Amerigo's and their spouses were there and they sat and sort of speculated about the upcoming Christmas party, which is going to be probably that week or the next week. What would the gift be? Would it be more vacation? I sure hope it's more vacation. We were impressed. We were so excited. We flew home and they said they'd let us know within 24 hours. We waited and it was like almost 24 hours. And the gal that had shown me around was like, I heard you guys were offered the job. I said, no, we haven't been. And the 24 hour mark passed and we hadn't heard anything. And there was this little part of me that was like, I kind of feel like they've crossed our boundary several times and I'm sort of irritated. So at this point I was like, "Mm, too bad for them. I don't, I'm done. You know, they stood me up. They forgot who you were. And now like we haven't heard from them. I asked a friend the other day, someone who used to be at Ramsey, if there would have been anything that would have caused them to not accept the job offer. It was thinking back on this situation that inspired that conversation. My own personal conclusion was that I don't think we could have been dissuaded. We wanted out of our current situation, and this was the ticket out. And that's why, even though there were red flags, I chose to disregard them. You know, a little while later, they call and say, we're offering the job. Think about it. You know, we thought about it for like a half a second and we told them the next day we were going to take it because this was our, this was our big break. Like we were chosen. They only hire one out of every thousand 
people that yeah. apply. Now, I don't think that's true about dev positions, but we were like, let's do this. We were ready for a new adventure. And Nathan was like, who else is going to hire me to do this? I don't have it on yeah. my resume. I am an IT manager. Let's leave everything we know. All of our friends and family go to Nashville. I asked Nathan if it ever occurred to him to negotiate his job offer. Did it ever occur to you to try to negotiate for any more than what they were offering you as far as benefits or salary when it came to the offer that they gave you? No. Or for because a start date or for any, any part of the process at all? No, because I uh, I felt lucky to have been chosen, and so mm-hmm. that I, that I should take what I was given and just be be happy with that. Um, I remember pulling together the numbers on the basis of costs of living that turned out to not quite be what it actually cost once we got down here. Yeah, but no, I don't think that it ever even occurred to me to negotiate though. It was also only the second time I'd ever gotten a job. This was the first time that I actually had to go out and apply for jobs. One of my favorite stories to tell about the day of Nathan's on-site interview was about his first interaction with Dave. While we were sitting in the lobby waiting for Nathan's interviews to start, Dave walked in the front door and he came over and he greeted us. As Dave walked away, I leaned toward Nathan and whispered, That was Dave Ramsey. Nathan had no idea. The job was never about Dave for him. In fact, he had never even listened to him on the radio. Nathan was there because of the opportunity to do a job he loved, and he was excited to do this while supporting the mission of bringing hope to others. It was never about Dave for my husband. It was about a Christian organization. They offer hope for other people. Yeah. And I'm going to be able to pay my bills and I get to do what I love. So he bought into the mission. Yeah. I mean, he was all about the mission, providing hope for people. Yeah. Sign us up. We want to provide hope for people. So we showed up the first day. So many of Nathan's web development team came and unloaded the truck or the moving truck. One of the people introduced himself and he said, I have tried to keep track of the number of trucks that I've unloaded. And it was a really large number of like so many people have moved to the area to work there and they were just great. One of them brought their wife and she helped, you know, play with the kids while, you know, they were bringing all the stuff in the next day. A lot of the wives came over and helped me unpack, brought me lunch, and they just provided this really awesome community. It, it was, and Nathan felt like he was going to Disney world every day. Right. And that was partly because of the fun stuff that was going on, you know, culturally and just things that the company would do. It was also partly because I got to go and do something that for years, whenever I would be writing code at work, I would have to feel guilty because it wasn't actually my job. And I was doing it and finding excuses to write code. And I remember coming home every day saying, I get to go and do this every single day. And I actually get paid to do it. Like it was such a big change from, from what I had been doing. So every day I basically would say what fun, amazing thing happened. And that's not exaggeration. Like I, I would tell people, my husband feels like he works at Disney world. And so I didn't know it at the time, but I mean, the whole company didn't look like the, he worked on the ELP yeah. dev team. I think there was also a period of adjustment for me because I was coming off of that very missional, like ministry focus that we were coming from. And so it was adjustment for me to be coming into what felt to be one of the more profit-driven portions of the company that seemed further from the 
the, the visible ministry. Like what in my head I was seeing as a ministry, like helping people get out of debt. And I was joining a part of the team that really wasn't, wasn't all that tightly tied to that mission in my head. And so I think I, I struggle with that for a little bit, just feeling like, oh man, I wish I were closer to, you know, the actual helping people part of the business. I think I kind of came around to the idea that yes, but this is the part of the business that is sort of the engine that makes it so that we can do the other things like the prisoner curriculum and the uh, debtor education type stuff that they were doing at the time. And they stopped doing, but and they stopped they doing, were doing it away eventually. First month that was kind of wrestling with was a little yeah. bit of disappointment in not being closer to that thing that I saw as being the mission because I wanted it to still be missional. But I also worked with such great people. I jumped in enthusiastically with both feet to support Nathan and their Ramsey organization. We had this Facebook group for either women that worked at Lampo or the spouses of the guys that mm-hmm. worked at Lampo ladies. I took over admin duties of the Facebook group pretty quickly with another friend of mine. And I helped welcome new people that were coming. There was a time where we would get names of people before they were even offered a job, which we stopped doing pretty quickly. Cause what if they weren't offered a job? Yeah. And then, you know, they would say, Hey, this person's going to be here to interview. Do you want to show this person around? Okay. And like, did they ask me to, I don't remember if they asked me to or not, but people would email. You- Cause we had a website I had on our family blog. I'd written about being hired at Ramsey. And if anybody had any questions, sometimes people would just Google about getting a job at Lampo and they yeah. would email me and ask me questions or say, we're going to be there. And there were several times I drove people around town, showed them different places in the area. And I know what it was like to leave and not know anybody. Yeah. And I wanted people to find ways to connect. It's just my thing. Yeah. And I wanted them to feel connected. We often did like social things and it was not an official Lampo Facebook group, but I mean, I was adminning. I didn't work there. I didn't work for the company. Yeah. But they were watching and I, we knew sometimes new people would be added and they would complain about something. They don't realize we're not allowed to do that because that's considered gossip. You can't say you don't like something. You need to, would be like, tell them to go to their leader. There was another event that happened at one point, 2015. They opened up one of their event, local events for all the team members and their spouses yeah. to come. And then like the day before they said, no kids allowed. As soon as the word got out that no kids would be allowed, Several people posted their frustrations about it on the Lampo Ladies Facebook page. It turned into a huge deal. Somehow Dave and other leaders heard about it and were very upset. The husband of the other group admin was talked to by someone in leadership to tell his wife, and then me, to shut down this conversation. They're telling us to shut it down. Dave's mad. And so we deleted the comments, but I was like, oh no, I'm going to get Nathan fired if I don't handle this right. And it was like a, felt like a big thing to take care of. I wasn't working there. I had to shut down the conversation. The first time I had this, oh no moment was shortly after we moved. The gal that had first met me and showed me around, I had said something and I was really scared that I was going to be in trouble about it. Just listening to how I relayed this to Bob has me shaking my head. I was afraid. I was afraid of getting in trouble or getting Nathan in trouble. And there was definitely a culture of fear connected to their policy that prohibited saying anything negative at all about the organization or their processes. 
the cost of living that they had sort of <laughs> the calculator was so wrong. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I kind of feel like maybe the person that helps you figure out the cost of living shouldn't be a single guy. He, you know, he wasn't yeah, yeah. married and have kids. I mean, I didn't know where they got the calculator from. I was like, oh, is that gossip? I don't mean to gossip. And she was all like, oh, people gossip. <laughs> and then she said, it's not as good here as everybody says it is. Oh, no. I just had this brief, like, okay, we just left everything. I cannot entertain that. I dismissed it. That conversation with that Ramsey wife, that it wasn't as good as everyone says it really was, shook me. And I could never fully forget it. But beyond that, I have to say there were so many wonderful things that we experienced during those early years. We made great friends. Nathan loved the work he was doing. He had an amazing team he worked with, and it would be dishonest to not acknowledge that. We were very, very happy, and we were easily disregarding the red flags or accounts of people who had left and were unhappy. In the next episode, I'll share more of the cracks in the system that we noticed, and about that time I was terrified that I had cost Nathan his job. Over the last several months and years since we've left Ramsey, I have done quite a bit of reading and listening and learning about high control groups And what kind of person joins a group like this? Nobody sets out and says, you know what? I think I'm going to go apply for a job or I'm going to join a high control group today. Nobody sets out to do this on purpose. So how does this happen? Steve Hassan, an expert in high control groups, says that people are more likely to join an unhealthy high control group if they are making this choice while undergoing a period of unusual stress and major life transition. Unusual stress and major life transition described us perfectly. Thanks for listening to the first part of our Ramsey story. The Untangled Faith podcast is supported by listeners like you. You can support this work on Patreon, where you can hear bonus interviews, access show transcripts, see some of the behind the scenes work, and access our monthly live stream. To check this out, go to untangledfaithpodcast.com and click on members. This week, Melissa J. Hogan joined me to record some thoughts on the Ramsey interview process, and that bonus interview is already waiting for my patrons on that Patreon page. On the next episode of Untangled Faith. I don't remember what he said, but when Nathan reported back to me, I was so terrified that I had done something wrong that would have cost him his job. So I was so sick to my stomach. I called Nathan and he had to talk me off the ledge. I was that afraid. And that's like not normal.